Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Nuggets now. Yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of ping-ponging today for the last three hours of the show. We're going to be talking Suns Nuggets. We're going to be talking Cardinals draft. Chances are real, real good. If we're not talking about one, we'll be talking about the other in the next segment because there are obviously two gigantic stories going on right now in front of us. As we welcome you back into Burns and Gambo here on Arizona Sports. Suns Nuggets game one tomorrow from Denver. Game two is on Monday and Aaron Gordon's says we like our chances. I mean, we like our chances. You know, I feel like we continue to uh, uh, take care of ourselves on and off the floor uh, to give ourselves the opportunity to be healthy and, and get a chance to get our legs back in the weeks. Yeah, listen, I, I don't blame them. I mean, they're a different team than they were, you know, the last time they played the Phoenix Suns a couple of years ago. And Aaron Gordon is a key to this series for Denver. He's a versatile defensive player. He can guard a point guard. He can guard a center. He can guard anybody on the court. So he's 6'8", and he moves really well. I mean, he did a really good job on Carl Anthony Towns. So he could guard anybody. And that's what Mike Malone uses him for. And then you look at a guy like Contavious Caldwell Pope. I mean, he's got size. He's the you know, he's to, to them, he's the matchup for book. You could put him on book. So I think I've always, you know, told you, I think that the teams that can match up with the Suns are the best, that uh, the teams that have the versatility defensively to go out there and go after these guys. Murray's big, bigger than Chris Paul. Contavious Caldwell Pope is big, decent defensive player. Brown is a great defensive player. Aaron Gordon, really good defensive player. So I'm sure that they feel like they've got a good chance here. I didn't mention this when we had Kellen on in the last segment, but as part Part of the you know the four part preview piece series that he has right now at ArizonaSports.com, he made the observation, and when you you think about it, it's it's fairly obvious, but you kind of have to frame it up this way. If you just look at the Western Conference teams the Suns have played since they started this run a couple of years ago, this is by far the toughest they've played. I totally agree with by you. By far the I toughest. I totally agree with you. I mean, like, the others were shorthanded. The others and, were shorthanded and injured no and question. hurt. And in this one, no so gosh, good point. We, we look at it, and I won't give Kellen credit because he's the one who made it, but it's 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 the correct point. This is the way hardest test they've ever had, which is why I, you know, and I get it. Every team wants to paint themselves as the underdog and every team wants to say, oh yeah, nobody thinks we can win this. That's the typical like sports cliche. There's no underdog in this series. There's no favorite in this series. The the Nuggets could win this thing in six or seven. I wouldn't be shocked. ESPN picked the Suns over the Clippers 16 to zero. Right. You're not going to get that with no, this series. No, no, no. In fact, you're not going to get that with this. The predictions I've already seen on this one. I got split. NBA.com says Suns and seven. We've got Athletic that says the consensus is the Nuggets. the Nuggets. Right? Like there's, there's no. I think the Suns are going to win. I think. You think the Suns are going to win, but is I that do. me being a fan? Is that me being a I I don't know. I, I think the Suns, eventually their star power wins out in this series, yeah. but I don't know. Anything could happen I, in this yeah, series. Listen, I'm a fan too, but I'm probably a little bit more objective than, than you are. Cause, Agreed. Or, and, and Vinny and the people totally that have up, spent their whole lives I'm not ashamed here. of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not I mean, objective I, on this one. I, I think they are better. I think the Suns are better. Um, there are concerns, you know, how, but, you know, the lack of depth, the, you know, the, the possibility of of a guy getting in foul trouble because they're not as deep. Um, 
Chris Paul? Is he eventually going to run on fumes like he did last year when he got to the second series against Dallas? Like, I've got concerns. You know, Denver with the home court advantage. Yeah, the altitude. The altitude. Like, there are concerns. But I just, man, in my heart, I just, I couldn't pick against the Suns because I just think that they're, I think that they're they're more lethal. I think they've got the elite scoring that can overcome what Denver offers. My hope is that, and this is a real kind of shallow way of looking at the series, but my hope is that the Suns are starting to crack the code on the best version of themselves because they just haven't had a lot of time to figure out what is the best version of themselves, right? And that they are starting to kind of stumble upon how it's going to work with KD and Book and things like that. That's probably my biggest, if I'm making a list of why I think the Suns will win, why I think the Suns will lose, in the why I think they'll win category, I really think they're starting to figure it out and play their optimal best version of themselves with these guys. If I'm giving you a reason why I think they're going to lose, man, I'm really worried about the minutes. I'm really worried about the minutes. Booker's putting in and KD's putting in and Paul's putting in. I don't think the bench is there to help with those minutes, so I think you're going to need another real heavy minute series out of the Sun Stars, and I hope they can hold out with that because I think if I don't care how good a shape they're in. Eventually, they're going to get tired, right? Eventually, they're going to run out of gas a little bit. I do love the built-in break between Game 2 and Game 3 in this series. That's a huge advantage for the Phoenix Suns, right? They play Game 2 on Monday. They don't play Game 3 again until Friday. Yeah. That really helps the Suns in no, this especially, one. Especially the older players. Look, Denver's younger. I mean, they're younger. They're a younger team. The Suns are more of an older team, and you factor in the age of of, of their players, especially Paul and Durant. I, I, I you know, I was looking for, uh, I had, I was looking for something about the minutes, but I think the leader in minutes played in the playoffs for the Nuggets is Jamal Murray, and I don't think it's close to what like Booker I have it right here. Do you have it? No uh, Denver Nugget averaged more than Jamal Murray's thirty eight point four. Durant averaged forty four. Devin Booker averaged forty three. Okay, that's six, seven minutes a game, a game, five, six minutes a game yeah. more in each game than Jamal Murray. The highest nugget was Jamal Murray, thirty eight point four. That's it, and so that's that's. That, that, that's nerve-wracking, right? That That's a little concerning because I think the Suns, their formula, yeah, look, we just got done talking about it with Kellen. You've mentioned it before. The Nuggets are deeper. They are. They're deeper. They're getting contributions from a lot of different guys. And it feels like they have players who are there specifically to stop or at least limit the Suns' best players. Now, in the NBA, a better offense will beat a better defense every day that ends in wide. Yes. That, that's, a, that's a commonly known fact about the NBA. But Contavious Caldwell-Pope trying to limit Devin Booker, that's a good player to to try to limit Devin Booker with. Aaron Gordon on Kevin Durant, that's a really good player to try to limit Kevin Durant with, they, right? They, they, have the, they have matchups. They yeah. can match up. They, they can match up. doesn't mean they're going to win. It just means that the elite shot making of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant has to keep has up. to continue. Has to keep up. Has to continue. Otherwise, and it's duh, but there, there's no there's no chance if they don't. If that, I was looking at some numbers. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, you know, he's 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 a big you know big. He connected on ten of twenty seven a shot of uh, ten of twenty seven from the field. That's thirty seven percent, and one of nine from behind the arc when he was direct guarded by Gordon. Now, Durant is a much better player than Towns, but they put Gordon on Towns, and he basically shut him down. So there was some, it says, based on the site's historical data, Durant, during his last four regular season meetings with Gordon, has hit on 16 out of 28 field goal attempts. 
57.1%. So in other words... So he's had success against Yeah, them. KD is shooting about 57% when Aaron Gordon is guarding Yeah, and Cat shot 37% against Look, him. there does come a certain point where you just... And this is what kind of bugged me about the end of the Clippers series, is that is that even when Durant's covered, he's open. He's Kevin Durant, right? Like, you, you're going to have to... we got to find ways to create space, and we got to get him in space. You know what? you got to get him the ball. Like Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, right. It's, it's just... He's open. He's a guy... Like I, He's open. He's always open. Just he's throw always, it. There's a guy on him, but yeah. he's open. And if he's not, he'll make himself open. That's, the, that's, a, that's a really good comp. Kevin Durant, he, you don't... I, I get it. You want to create space for him, but you don't want to ignore him until you do. That's a really bad idea. You know, well, we couldn't really go to him because he didn't really have any space. I don't care. He's Kevin freaking Durant. Get him the ball. Let's see what he can do. You're going to have to. You're going to have to. You can't. You're not going to be able to advance past the series without more of Kevin Durant being elite. And in order for him to do that, he's going to have to have the ball no matter who's covering him. It's just not a lot to take out of the Clippers series because they didn't have George and they didn't have Kawhi. Except that, man, it was really hard. Like, as, as shorthand, yeah. like, you know, is that a bad sign for the Suns? Is it a bad sign that... That, like they played all um, of these, you know, role players and barely got by each game. Can I give you the flip side to that? Yeah, sure, I'll take it. Is it a bad sign if you're a Nuggets fan that you weren't really that challenged against Minnesota? Would you rather have been a little I thought challenged they were in the, in the last first two round? games? The last two games, first three, not so much. No, they, I they the last two they got you know pushed good. Um, I, it, I think that cuts both ways. Like sometimes getting challenged can help you be a better version of yourself sooner than relatively. I, I think Denver's path to their five game victory was a lot easier than the Suns. I could argue that's more concerning for the Suns. I could argue that's more concerning for the Denver. I Nuggets. could argue that Denver, with the way that they slipped at the end of the season, because maybe they got bored, kind of needed a, a patsy like that. Maybe, maybe to get the confidence it, going. It's look either way. It's going to be. I I think it's going to be a battle. Six seven. Nuggets, Suns, I could see anything happening in this one. The Arizona Cardinals just drafted All-American offensive lineman Paris Johnson Jr. with the sixth pick in the NFL draft yesterday. We want you to be the first to own his jersey in the new Cardinals threads. Text the word DRAFT to 620-620. You, it'll be your chance to win a Paris Johnson Jr. Cardinals jersey. Again, text the word DRAFT to 620-620. Speaking of the draft, round two resumes in 48 minutes and 37 seconds. What's going to happen with DeAndre Hopkins today? Is anything going to happen with DeAndre Hopkins today? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Round two and three of the NFL draft starts in 44 minutes. We're not exactly going to do like full draft coverage like we did yesterday, pick by pick and all the draft profiles. But I can assure you that when the Cardinals pick is up, we will be doing full draft coverage. And we'll just stop whatever we're doing and say, okay, Cardinals are on the clock. Here's who's on the board. Here's what they're going to do. We'll play the breaking news sounder. If there's a trade, we'll, we will cover whatever it is the Cardinals do today. They have the second pick of the second round. Um, 
maybe they hold on to it. Maybe Joey Porter Jr. is just too much of a of a carrot for them to say to for them to pass up on that. Or the center or the center, John Michael Schmitz. Maybe from Minnesota. Maybe they go with him. Mm. Maybe they trade down a few spots because they do have a very large gap between their first pick today and their third round picks today. Right? They've got like fifty picks where they're not doing anything. Or like you've suggested, maybe they take some of their back end third round picks and turn those into picks that kind of fill the gap a little bit. Lots of options for Monty yeah. today. I, I kind of, and we talked about that. I understand taking that pick and moving down, but you got a primetime center and a primetime cornerback right there. You're going to get one of the two. I say stay there. You want to get back up a little bit higher? You've got three picks that are later after that first, that, that first pick in the second round. Three later picks that you could use to move up. You could package two of them, move up seven or eight spots. You could package three of them and move up 20 spots. Like There's things that you can do to move up a little bit more. So I'd rather use the, the bottom three to move up than the second pick in the second round and move down. Yeah, when you can get essentially a first round pick for free, yes, you know, yes, for, with the I, second I, pick. Yes, yeah, I get yes. it. I get it. Yep. Um, as it stands right now, today, the Cardinals have four picks. Number 33 overall, number 81 overall, number 94 overall, and number 96. Now, 94 was supposed to be in the 60s, but that was the punishment for Monty Austin for calling Jonathan oh. Gannon before he was supposed to, and they self-reported and all that happened. Uh, Monty Austin Fort spoke about that last night. I'll play you what he had to say about it in a minute. He also said this about DeAndre Hopkins. Now, this is the X factor today. We're talking about the picks they have today. There might be another one coming if they trade DeAndre Hopkins, unless you take Monty Austin Fort, what he said last night, at his word. You know, I, I, don't, I don't foresee that happening. Um, you know, I, I don't know what is going to happen here in the next couple of days. Um, right now, I don't, foresee, I don't foresee that happening, no. Okay, and then he was asked to follow up. Here's what he said. When you said you don't foresee anything happening with DeAndre, are you saying tonight or just through the entire draft? Uh, through the entire draft. Okay, yeah. one, wow. more. one more. Wow. One more. Absolutely. DeAndre's a Cardinal. So DeAndre's a Cardinal, and um, we're moving forward. Did you hear wiggle room in those answers? Not really. I didn't either, now, but I still think, well, I still the think it's there. Yeah. Now or the entire, the entire draft? Play that one again, the second the middle one. one. When yeah. you said you don't foresee anything happening with DeAndre, are you saying tonight or just through the entire draft? Uh, through the entire draft, yeah. But then... Okay, I'm going to play the first one again. I don't foresee a Hopkins trade. You know, I I don't I don't foresee that happening. Um, you know, I I don't know what is going to happen here in the next couple of days. Um, right now, I don't foresee I don't foresee that happening. No. See, now I hear outs the right in that. now. The, the right yep. now is, but the second one it wasn't an out. Yeah, no, I, I just I hear outs. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you know you, you want to come out and say we're not trading DeAndre Hopkins. You, we are not trading DeAndre Hopkins. Bold. You know, you, you I, I wanna, highlight it, right? I, I want to touch on something that, 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 that Ron talked about yesterday and Bick talked about today on his show. Okay. Is it, is it a big negative that DeAndre Hopkins takes a day off during the week? Is that a big negative? Um, I think that if you're a contending team that's got a Super Bowl in your crosshairs, no. Okay. That's a trade-off you live with. Okay, but what about for the Cardinals? For the, well, for the Cardinals now? Yeah. I mean, I, 
I'll be honest with you. I just I'm not interested in keeping DeAndre Hopkins because I just don't think the Cardinals are going to need him okay. next year. You know, so it's so it's hard for me to answer that question. I, if he's if he's on this team now, with as young as they're going to be next year, with as rebuilding as they're going to be, would I like DeAndre Hopkins to practice? Yeah, I would. But Ron I, seemed real passionate that you got to move on from this, get out from under it. I want guys that are going to practice every day. They're going to be there every day. It's you know practice makes perfect and all of that stuff. And I heard Bick this morning and he was you know banging that drum too about. Like, you know, you, you want to move on from that. You want a guy that's you got to practice. We're going to practice every day. Now, if the coach gives you a Veterans Day off, the coach gives it to you. Right. But Hop is more like, I'll practice when I want to practice. I won't when I don't want to. I, I, is I, it a negative? I, I, don't, I don't know how else to answer that. I think it's irrelevant for the Cardinals, his practice habits. I, I really do. I think okay. what, what matters. Well, because he could I, still be here and, if and they I'm, don't trade him. And I'm not trying to dodge the question. I, I just think, I think it's irrelevant. I think what matters most for the Cardinals is, do you think that you're going to be good enough next year where you need DeAndre Hopkins on your roster? And if the answer to that question is yes, then you keep them. And if the answer to that question is no, the answer is no. Then you move them. Then you move them and get a pick because you don't need them. Because you don't need what them. If, I don't what care if, how he practices. If, you don't need them. Could you play it now? There's always the risk that he gets hurt, and you've got it. Then you've got to pay him. Okay. Could you play it by ear and see if a contender in the first six weeks of the season before the trade deadline loses a key wide receiver and now you've got Hop, he's playing well, he's playing like, you know, could you do that? Or could he possibly lose value because we don't even know who the quarterback's going to be for those games and he doesn't play well and there's some value lost because he's not putting up any numbers. And if he gets hurt, like you pointed out, you're a little screwed if that happens. But yes, you could could do that. You you don't, that, that seems to be like the myth about trading DeAndre Hopkins. The Cardinals are not strapped against the cap, right? They're not. Yeah. They're not hurting for cap space. They're, they, they've got. A, I haven't checked lately. I think it's upwards of fifteen million dollars in cap space. So I don't need to move, make this move for cap space. I just like them to do it from just a practical standpoint. Of man, if you're if you're really rebuilding, call it whatever you want, phrase it however you want. If you're really rebuilding, DeAndre Hopkins is is irrelevant to that bottom line in 2023. And I would like to deal with him appropriately, you know? And, and so, so I'm not going to cut him. No, no. I mean, no, you're no, not no. going to cut no him. point doing that. I mean, That's just to silly. save the money, you got to get something from him. You get to the point, the garage sale philosophy that you brought up, like you get into the end here. If nobody wants to give you anything, you take what you can because you don't want to bring it. You don't want to bring him back. Look, when I hear Monty Austin for talking, okay, those cuts that he said last night, when I hear him speaking, all I can think about is Steve Keim insisting again and again and again, oh, we'll just keep Josh Rosen. Yeah, we'll just keep him. Sure. Yeah, we can keep him. Oh, yeah, we don't have to move Josh Rosen. And they were always moving him. And they were always moving him. They were, you know, and it's this, it's it's the games that people play. It's the messages that people send. It's, you know, Monty Austin Fort saying that about DeAndre Hopkins. It was national headlines today. It was on ESPN.com. Mm-hmm. It was on NFL.com. It's a message to teams that might want him. Oh, yeah, no, we're fine. We can keep him. You know, like it's it's the poker game. It's the bluff, right? And I just, yeah, at, we'll keep him. We, have, we don't have to trade him. At the end of the day, I'm going to buy it. I don't. I don't buy it. I think they're moving him. So he gets traded today. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. I think so. And I think the Bills and Chiefs are in play. And I don't have sources on this one. You know, it's, that's your job. You're the source guy, not me. Um, both teams, the Bills and the Chiefs, have second round picks. The Bills have number 59 overall. The Chiefs have number 63 overall. In round three, for what it's worth, the Bills have number 91, and the Chiefs have number 95. So to your point. If you move them for, say, a third rounder to either one of those teams, now you've got four third round picks 
at the back end of the third round. If you want to move up to get a pick in the middle, then you could do it. Then you well, then you really could do it now because you've got just a crap ton of inventory on the back end that you could you could do if you wanted to. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens today. I don't think Boot is getting moved today. I don't think so either. I don't think. That's I think happening. they're going to try to put that toothpaste back in the tube. I think they're going to try to. They got to have some guys that you know that that people follow. They, they got to bring in a lot of young players with the draft and free agency. You got to have players that can look up to somebody and kind of exemplify what they are. As always, you can text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. What do you think the Cardinals are going to do about DeAndre Hopkins today? In the meantime, when we come back, huge announcement today for the Suns and the Mercury regarding their TV rights this morning. The Suns also take on the Nuggets in round two starting tomorrow, which means there's no better time to talk to majority owner Matt Ishbia than right now. And we will next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, driven by Sonic Drive-In. Mmm, Sonic. Burns and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. A key decision maker, indeed, the key decision maker joining us right now here on the Arizona Sports Line. And today of all days, especially with the announcement today of a change in the broadcast agreements for the Phoenix Suns, making it more accessible to even more fans statewide. Joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, the principal owner of the Phoenix Suns, Matt Ishbia, here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Hey, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here with you. Well, Matt, let, let's start off with the news that came out today. The Suns and Mercury, they're gonna, the broadcast is going to shift to local TV streaming. We know all about the problems with Sinclair and Bally's here in Arizona with the local teams, but that contract coming to an end, and you guys are going to shift it to uh, local TV, Arizona's families. Tell me what it means for, for you and your fan base. Well, I think it's a big deal. I'm really excited about the opportunity. You know, we're all about the fans and the experience. And, you know, everyone thinks I'm the owner. I'm just the steward for the community. And what would the community want? They want to watch the games. So how do I get the games to more people for less cost or no cost, obviously? And that's what we're doing. And so we figure out a way to figure out to make it so that the games are available um, so they can watch every game. And more fans will be created and more excitement around the Arizona uh, community for the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. And we think it's a great day and and hopefully the beginning of a really positive thing for for years and years to come. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to like this. I do want to ask you about the revenue aspect of it. I know you say you don't worry about it, but you know that deal that that, that Jerry Colangelo initially did it was a, it was a twenty year deal with Sinclair, and for the first ten years of the deal it was fine, but for the last ten years of the deal it was it, it wasn't a very good deal. I mean, the, the Suns were only pulling in, I think, in the high twenties as far as millions were concerned. They were in the bottom quarter of all the teams in the NBA. Do you see potential growth revenue with this newer model coming in? Honestly, not not been the focus at all. You know, do, revenue will make revenue. Like money follows success. It's not about like everyone thinks about money so much, and a lot of if people get get a bad like people focus too much on money. What I focus on is if I dominate from a fan experience, if I make it an amazing community asset, if we put a great product on the floor and we're winning, right? And we take great care of our team members. All the stuff I talked about at the press conference when I originally bought the team. 
money will follow. That's how I've run my mortgage business for years. Like, we just do right, and good things happen. And yes, I believe we'll make money. Do I believe we'll make the exact same amount of money? Do we make, I, I don't even know the details about the money because the reality is when I was told we have an option to do this and we discussed this, we said 100% we're going to do what's best for the fan base. The right thing for the fans is where we're starting and good things follow. We're going to have more fans than ever, more people watching our games, more people watching our superstars play and, and watching us compete at the highest level, men's and women's teams. The regional sports network model is one that we've all become so accustomed to throughout the years, Matt. How much feedback have you gotten from other teams around the NBA, from the league itself, because you guys are doing something that in some ways is kind of revolutionary. You're kind of the first ones through the wall on this one. What's the feedback that you're getting around the league? Well, you know, someone's got to lead, right? And we're going to make the we made the leadership play, and we obviously had the opportunity to do it here. And part of this because we have amazing fans here in Phoenix, where you know people are people want to consume our content, want to watch our teams, and be supportive of it. We have a men's and women's team, and so um, you know the other NBA owners are very interested, and the league's very interested because this is where it's going, right? Like, like, like the, the, it's just a different model. There's nothing wrong with what's happened for the last 20 years and those models, but the reality is, let's look forward. Let's not look back and keep doing the same thing over and over. What's best for the fans? What's best for the community? That's where we're going with it, and it's going to be better. And it's, you know, like I said, money will follow. It's not about the money. It's like, and other NBA owners, sometimes people look at it like, what does this mean immediately? And I said, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know what it means long-term, and long-term success is what it means. There has been some pushback from from Bally and from Diamond and, and from that organization. Your response to that, and do you anticipate that this is going to head to some sort of litigation? or the courts or something like that to settle whether you guys, in fact, have the right to do this? Yeah, I'm not worried about it at all. We're doing the right thing by the fans, the community. I'm excited about what we're doing. It's just, it's just really not even a concern of mine. You know, the reality is that company's got their own issues. We wish them nothing but the best. They were great for us for a while. Um, I hope they're successful in anything they do, but we're focusing on what's best for the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury and our fan base, and that's what I've made a decision. All right, let's uh, let's discuss this basketball team that you've had here. You've a very hard fought five game series against the Clippers. Almost every game was a nail bite. A nail biter. We called them like cockroaches. They just wouldn't go away. Give me your thoughts on on the on what you saw on the first round series against the Clippers. Yeah, I thought it was a great series. I think the Clippers were, were a tough team, very well coached, well run organization. They played hard um, when they had their star player, and when they didn't have their star player, they played hard every game. And we knew that's how it was going to be. And I think our team and our coach and our players played great and competed at a high level. Now, this was the first five games of us playing at a high level in the playoffs with a with a shortened rotation, as we saw, and with our guys playing a lot of minutes and getting used to playing at that level together. So I think every game. What's great about our team is every game we're going to keep getting better. We're gelling more every game is so hopefully each series we're going to keep getting better and better and better and we're going to need to because the teams are going to keep getting better and better as well has Devin Booker I mean you probably watched him from afar over the years being a basketball guy and a fan of the game you've probably seen him here and there watched him has he been surprised you with the level that he's been able to take his game to you know, not surprised at all. I, I, he's from Michigan, and I knew him. I followed him closely, and he's just an all-around winner on and off the court. And so, you know, I think people are surprised because everyone, um, you know, outside of 
Phoenix, maybe, uh, it, it, like thinks of Devin Booker, and they don't think, he, this guy's a top five, top ten player in the NBA right now. I mean, he, he, he's 26 years old. He's a winner. He can shoot. He plays great defense. He can attack the basket. He's a consummate teammate. He passes the ball. He's the kind of guy you want in your organization. So I'm really not surprised. Um, I, 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 I got so lucky that I was able to buy a team that had Devin Booker on it, and then, you know, just it's been amazing to watch. And, but I, I know a lot of people nationally might be surprised a little bit, but this guy's a winner. Um, from the first day I met him and from every day I used to watch him before I owned the team. Matt Ishbia, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show as we welcome him in for the first time since he took over the team. Uh, you, you mentioned it earlier that the time that it was going to take to gel and, and the idea that you were just going to get better as this thing went along, was that something you guys were kind of all anticipating that it might be a little awkward at first given that it was all kind of thrown together at the last minute with the Durant trade? Yeah, we definitely recognize that there's a time to gel, right? And uh, obviously Kevin was hurt when we traded for him and obviously got hurt a little bit uh, after we traded for him too. And so getting the team to gel and then playing at the high-level competition because the playoffs versus regular season is a little different too. And so the amount of practices... And games we've all had with our starting five out there has not been enough to put ourselves in a position to be as dominant as maybe some fans or people would love. But I think we're, we're, we're getting there, and we're getting better every day. I think that's the best part is each game I feel better about it. I think the players feel better about it. And I think everyone's excited, and I'm going to cheer the guys on just like I think all of you guys will be. How do you feel that your interaction has gone so far with Monty, with James, with the pre-existing infrastructure that was already in place, and, and your ability to, to come in, put your stamp on it, but you know, kind of toe the line between doing that and somewhat staying out of the way. How do you feel like you're juggling all that balancing act right now, Matt? You know, I think I'm doing great, and you have to ask maybe ask Monty and James what they think, and the players what they think. But uh, you know, my perspective is without without a doubt, I'm going to make sure that the the vision that we have for the Suns and the Mercury, to be clear, is going to be living in in our teams the way we talked about it. I met with the whole team and everyone when I bought the team. We went through all the players and all the business people, everyone, the coaches, and I've been staying in close contact with everybody. James has been doing a great job. Monty, same thing. Like, we've talked. I get to hear their perspective. They get to hear my perspective. And I think things are going great. But once again, you have to might have to ask them because my view is it's going really well. Um, and I feel really great about what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish. We all have the same goals, the same vision. And now we've got to execute. I know when you uh, took over the team, I, I immediately got a phone call that night from my, my good friend Kirk Gibson, who wanted to tell me all about you and, and, and how much you're going to do here and all the great things that you're going to do. So you, you did take over the team in, in, in the, like the middle of a season. I'm sure there's a lot more that you, know, you want to do to really put your imprint on this organization. Do you envision that once the season is over and hopefully you guys get a championship, that then you can start you know, putting your own stamp on this team? Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with that, um, with the exception of, like, I started trying to put my own imprint on the team the day I bought it. And really the day it got announced, you know, back in December. And so already – and it takes a while to, to, to make changes and do different things. And so – but I also am a respectful of what's been going on there. And, and basically you're not, trying to, you're not trying to make a million changes. You're trying to make – improve by inches, get a couple inches better here and there, and putting my stamp on things slowly but surely. But the reality is we got a winning organization. we got great people there, and I'm very lucky to have them. And so they don't need too much 
for me yet, but uh, I do see some changes and things that we're going to make over time, um, and they're already starting to make them, right? And, that, and that's what's great about Monty and James, and then even on the business side, I hired a new CEO, and like we're doing a lot of things to start getting this thing better, and uh, the media deal that we talked about earlier is one of those examples. Like We're going to go out and be better and do things differently than other places if it's best for our fans and our community. All right. Well, Matt, we appreciate the time very much. So uh, congratulations on the announcement today. I know a lot of Suns fans. I know some very personally that I've been friends with for a long time. They're very, very excited about the news. So thank you for the time. We appreciate it. Best of luck to the Suns against the Nuggets starting tomorrow. And hopefully we'll get a chance to talk real soon. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. It's Matt Ishbia joining us on the Arizona Sports Line here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We thank him for coming on, especially to talk about this new TV deal, which I do know has a lot of Suns fans excited. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, back to the draft. Paris Johnson Jr. was the pick. If you're a Cardinal fan, are you going to look at Tyree Wilson and wonder what if? Or are you going to look at Will Anderson and wonder what if? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Two till six on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. The Cardinals were wheeling and dealing yesterday. Are they going to be wheeling and dealing in 14 minutes and 13 seconds? We'll see. Round two of the NFL draft set to begin in just about 15 minutes or so. And again, I'll, I'll repeat this as we welcome you back into Burns and Gambo. Not a straight draft show today, but certainly anything the Cardinals do, we're going to treat it like a draft show. Like as soon as they're on the clock or if they trade down or if there's breaking news, we're going to pass it's, it along. It's, it's big. It's, it's big. It's a big I mean, deal. They got the second pick in the second no round. Doubt. I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just saying we're not yeah. going to do every single pick and play profiles like we did yesterday, but we are absolutely going to keep you completely, totally locked in to what the Arizona Cardinals are doing today. So just keep it right here. You'll know everything. We've got the draft profiles all loaded up and ready to go. And we'll see. We'll see whether there's a trade down at number 33. They've got, like you say, the second pick in the second round. Do they move down? Do they stay put? There's going to be a lot of good players there. There's going to be a lot of good players there at 33, and they're going to get a sure. lot of phone calls at 33. I know right now they could, they could address two major... There's at least one of these two major needs could be addressed by guys at the top of that second round. Center, cornerback. Yes. Joey Porter Jr., and the Minnesota kid, I call him John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmitz, but his name is really like Nick uh, Schmitz. Michael Schmitz. Yeah, it's Nick Michael. Um, they could get a center who's rated as the best center, and they can get a cornerback that most people think is first-round talent. Like, I'm not trading down from that pick when I can go get myself a player that could really help me. Like, I don't want to get greedy here. Now I need good players. I don't want to get too greedy. I got my hole yesterday. I got the extra first round from Houston and extra stuff. Now let me go get a player that can help me. I'm looking forward to learning more about Monty Austin Ford, the general manager. Because what we learned yesterday was very New England Patriots. I'm moving up. I'm moving down. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm collecting assets. Right? And that was just one day. I don't know if you can say one day defines who you are. But it gave us a little peek into how he kind of does business. I want to see what kind of peek we get today. Does he stay put and take Joey Porter Jr. if he's there? Does he move around all over the board again today? He certainly has the inventory today to do it. He's got four picks today to deal with. One very early. Three very late. He has got the inventory to move around all over the board tonight if he wants, and I'm just curious to learn more about him to see what he does. But I, I look, as much as I am a fan of trading down, this is one of those moments where I really like the idea of staying put and taking Joey Porter Jr. I, he's first round talent. Would you I go him really, over center? Uh, I, probably, I would. I probably I would, would too. Yeah, I probably would. Yeah. Um, yesterday, 
Obviously, a lot of moving around for the Arizona Cardinals. They went from 3 to 12 to 6, and to do so, they picked up a first round next year and a third round next year. And we did get our answer last night, by the way, if you're listening to our draft coverage. It's the Texans' first round pick next year. It's not the Browns yes. from the Watson trade. It's the Texans' first round pick. That was a big deal to me. I don't know why. Um, but it also, if you look at the first round in its totality, Gambo, there are some names now that we can kind of look at and wonder, should they have just stayed put and taken Will Anderson? Could they have taken Tyree Wilson mm. at six instead of Paris Johnson Jr.? I'll go even one further. Could they, have got stayed a third one? Could they have stayed at 12 and taken Christian Gonzalez? I think there are three players in the first round of the draft that okay. you directly could have said, in retrospect, you could have had that guy instead. Right. You could have had Will Anderson instead. You could have had Tyree Wilson instead. You could have had Christian Gonzalez instead. You think there's going to be any Monday morning quarterbacking on this one in the years to come? I think. I think the most... It, the most Monday morning quarterback will be with Tyree Wilson, not Will Anderson. But I don't think Will Anderson is that far behind. They made the trade. They got the extra picks. They've got the extra first-round pick next year. But when they were on the board at six, they could have taken the second-best edge rusher, who many people felt was the best edge rusher, in Tyree Wilson. They don't. They haven't. They have a need to get to the quarterback. They they don't create a lot of sacks. But then again, their offensive line was giving up a lot of sacks. So, you know. We could look at that. Now, if Will Anderson explodes and is a great player, we'll always remember that the Cardinals passed on him. But it will it will be about all the extra picks they got and what that amounts to. But yes, if Will Anderson ends up being everything that many people think he will be, we'll look back and you know, maybe be upset that one day the Cardinals could have drafted him and they didn't. Maybe. I, I mean I envision this scenario. Will Anderson has a great year in his rookie season, or even Tyree Wilson has a great year in his rookie season, right? And you're thinking, oh, man, could have had that guy, could have had that guy, could have had that guy. And then you get to this time a year from now, and the Cardinals are sitting there with the number two and the number four pick in the NFL draft. And then all of a sudden, you're not that worried about the kind of year that Will Anderson had, right? You're not that worried about the season that Tyree Wilson Does it you're... depend on Paris Johnson being a good player? I, oh, it certainly helps, but I also think if these two draft, it's kind of your theory when it came to, and I know I'm crazy, cross-referencing here. Okay, go ahead. The Coyotes and the trade that they made with Ottawa, with, with Ottawa and, and the idea that, man, you are putting yourself in a position to get two of the top six picks, two of the top. That's not going to be that, but at the time, you were kind of rolling the dice and thinking that maybe it could be that. This trade for the Cardinals could yield them the number one and number four pick in next year's draft. Heck, it could be one, two. It could be one, two, when Caleb Williams is sitting there. I mean, it's it, and then if Kyler Murray has a bad year, now heck, man, it's only the first year of that new contract. I, I, but you can, you, you could can do it. I mean, you could do it. if Kyler Murray has a bad year. Woo, I would never say never, and you could draft Caleb Williams. Yeah, I would never say never. That that to me is a pretty remote possibility. But, but then you I, could but, also I, trade Caleb Williams for four first round. Oh picks. my god, you could you could set yourself up for years and years 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 to come, and so that has to factor into the, the equation. G, you could you could be the Utah Jazz. <laughs> you could be of the NFL. You could be. Yeah. I mean, if if you're as bad as people think you're going to be, and the Texans are as bad as people are going to think you're going to be, you, you and you have to. F- no matter how good Will Anderson is, and no matter how good Tyree Wilson might be, you have to. But that's why I think. To your point, Tyree Wilson is really the comp. Is really the guy you watch now because right. you had a direct. After you made yeah. all the maneuvering and all the moving, you could have taken him. You could have taken him. He went to the Raiders. Yep. 
to replace Chandler Jones, who was just such a negative for them last year. So he'll probably replace him or rotate with him until they decide to get rid of him. But Wilson had 27 and a half sacks over the past two years. 6'6", 271. A lot of people loved him. A lot of people loved him. I was looking at SI. The SI had their grades. They gave uh, Tyree Wilson a B plus, and they gave the, the Cardinals a C plus. And they liked Tyree Wilson more. So I do think that that's the cop. I think for years to come, we'll look back and see that the Cardinals miss out on a great edge rusher. Because those guys, they're gold. When you can get a great edge rusher, it's gold. Almost everybody has to. You, you need one to be really good. No doubt. No doubt. And if he ends up being an elite edge rusher, then then it's we'll look at that and we'll wonder what should have been, what could have been. Did they make the wrong choice? Does Paris Johnson, of course, how Paris Johnson plays equates to all of this. And if the Cardinals, and look, one of the things I absolutely love about what the Cardinals did yesterday, okay, whether you like Paris Johnson or not, or you think he's going to be great or not, the Cardinals, too long under their previous regime, flat out ignored the offensive line in the draft. Just ignored it. Late round picks, late day three picks, never premium inventory on offensive so line. DJ was a draft pick. Josh Jones was a draft Third pick. Third round. Justin Pugh was a free agent signing. I'm talking about the draft. Yeah, I'm just saying, if you look at their offensive line, I'm going across yeah, okay, the offensive okay, line. Yeah. Rodney Hudson was a trade. Yep. Like, you, Calvin Beecham was a free agent signing. You know, so, like, there hasn't been... You know, the last guy that was drafted high was an impact player was DJ Humphreys. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you were saying this is the highest they picked a offensive lineman since Jonathan Cooper? Yes. Yeah. So that's a long time. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time. You're right. That just goes to show you how much they ignored the offensive line. Listen, I'm happy with the pick. I'm happy with the pick. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that it's a, that it, I, I wanted a, an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman over a cornerback. Now, if you got to the point where the top offensive lineman and defensive lineman were gone and you took Christian Gonzalez, then I'm okay with that, but they need size. They need bulk. They need physicality. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, it is 4 o'clock. We're going to get you caught up on all the top sports stories of the day in the 4 o'clock reset, and then be ready to quickly pivot to the Cardinals and their first pick in the second round. We're going to bring you that next as well here on the Burns and Gambo show.